From the Fancy Lady Cowgirl headquarters, welcome to the Cowgirl Problems Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to everyone who embodies the cowgirl or cowboy spirit, regardless of what you wear or where you live. The guests on this show are a little fancy, a little ranchy, and they all have a kick-ass story to tell. I'm your host, Courtney Dehoff. Join me for the ride. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Cowgirl Problems Podcast. I'm really excited for our next guest. However, I must admit, I feel um, a little underqualified uh, to be interviewing him after I was sort of reading uh, his credentials. Sebastian is joining me. I'm really excited to pick his brain and chat with him. Okay, Sebastian, I'm going to read off. I'm going to read this off. PhD, you're pursuing a PhD in animal biology, UC mm-hmm. Davis. You have your master's in animal science with an emphasis in ruminant nutrition and your bachelor's in agronomy from Earth University. You are busy, my friend. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. Uh, such an amazing opportunity. First podcast ever, I should say. So I, thanks for the invitation. Uh, but yeah, I've been, you know, I've been here and there. Uh, my undergrad was in Costa Rica, which is not my, you know, where I was born and raised. I was born and raised in Honduras. So I left, you know, my home pretty early on, and yeah, so I've been traveling around, getting my education, just pursuing what I like, what I love to do, you know? Oh my gosh, this is so cool. Okay, I want to start in Honduras. I'm going to start with sort of your upbringing. Um, I just would love to hear more about your story. Sebastian, were you always super interested in agriculture? Did you grow up around it? Just tell me a little bit about uh, what what your, I guess, childhood was like. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, and yeah, that's exactly it. I was born and raised, you know, uh, around agriculture. Uh, my grandpa, he was, he was a rancher. He had uh, beef cattle and uh, dairy cattle. There, uh, down there, they're like more like dual purpose for dairy and beef. But all in all, we had, you know, I had cattle all the time around me, and so um, he was. He's always been one of my biggest role models. The the first one, I should say, because he was very passionate about it and he kind of put that little seed in me and uh, as I grew up all I wanted to do was you know um, be around cows and be around agriculture so that that culture was in me since I was a kid and when uh, the time came to decide what I wanted to pursue as, as a career it was pretty easy for me to make a decision I didn't see myself as you know anything else uh, thought about being a doctor my mom really wanted me to be a teacher she's she's a teacher Mm -hmm. and I was like mom I I, know that's not what I want for me so when I went to when I I was gonna go to high school when I went to high school um there is this um pretty um pretty prestigious school in Honduras at the high school level um where you go there to study agriculture so uh it's a boarding school so it wasn't that far away from home, about two and a half hours away from home. But for me at that point, uh, you know, always being my, 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 my oldest um, mom's son, you know, my mom's oldest son, sorry. Um, uh, you know, I've, I've always been, you know, I guess she says this all the time. I've been her first love, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, what happened with that, mom? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was, it was hard for me to leave home. But I wanted to really, uh, I really wanted to pursue an education in agriculture. So I went there and I got my high school diploma in agricultural, uh, agriculture and agricultural management. And I was, I'm not going to lie, I was, I was a good student because I really loved what I was doing. You know, I really loved uh, my, my classes, everything that I was learning. 
And so I had good grades in high school and I knew there that I wanted to go to college and I wanted to keep doing this. And so I applied to many different schools and there's a very prestigious school in Honduras. Uh, it's called Zamorano. Um, it's one of the most, it, it's been, you know, forever the, the most prestigious school in agriculture in Latin America. So I wanted to go there, of course, but it didn't happen. Um, but I did get into Earth University, which is also a very prestigious school in Latin America in agriculture. And so I got a full scholarship to go there in Costa Rica, which blew my mind at, at the moment because <laughs> I never saw myself living in Honduras. And so, yeah, so I, of course, I didn't think about it twice. I was like, yes, let's go. Let's do it. And so, you know, when I went to college, I left my country. So that was the first experience for me, living in my home, leaving my country, leaving my family and friends behind. But it was the, the, the goal, the, the objective was very clear for me. And it wasn't, it was hard, yes, but it wasn't that hard because I knew what I wanted to do. So I went to Costa Rica for four years, lived there. And a lot of people get jealous because I have lived in Costa Rica. <laughs> of course, years. yeah. And it's, it's such a beautiful country. And it was great education. I learned so much. And, you know, again, um, I loved everything about it, you know, and I made well, my lifelong friends in Costa Rica. And uh, being there, uh, I really, I really enjoyed just learning about agriculture, just that process of learning and going into the technicalities of it, all this stuff and the biology, the physiology and everything. And I, I knew I wanted to keep pursuing education in, 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 in uh, agriculture, but agronomy is a lot of things, you know, a lot of things you learn about soil sciences, you learn about uh, crops and a lot of tropical crops down there, of course. And you learn a little bit about, about livestock. And because cattle have always been my thing, I was always the, the you know, the, the cattle guy, you know, the, this guy is the one who likes the cows. <laughs> uh, in my group. And uh, I knew I wanted to keep going on, on that, you know, walking that path. So as part of my undergraduate program, we have to do uh, an internship on our, um, what is it, uh, junior year? year? Mm -hmm. That's before senior, right? Yep. Yeah. So yeah, on our junior year, we have to do, uh, I think it's a 90 day internship. I think it was what it was. It was a long time ago, 2014 now. Wow. But uh <laughs> Uh, we had to do an internship and I, I knew I wanted to come to the U.S. because you can do it abroad. You can go to, go to you know, different countries uh, or in uh, a country where you can get an opportunity. So I got this uh, internship in Georgia, uh, but it wasn't with cattle. I wanted to do it with cattle, but I couldn't find one at the time. But it was an onion producing company, Bland Farms is the, the name of the company. Uh, and it was a pretty big company, but it was with onions, which I was not interested in, but I did, I did want to have a, uh, an experience with agriculture in the U S because mm -hmm. down there in Latin America, we're always trying to replicate stuff that, you know, happens that is being, uh, done in the U S because agriculture in the United States is so advanced. It's, it's amazing. So we are always trying to, to take, you know, like little things and try and try to apply them down there in Latin America and Central America and South America. And so I knew that I wanted to be exposed to that. So that's what I took that leap and said, okay, it's not really what I want to do, but I want to see it. I want to experience it. So I went to Georgia for those 90 days. And it, of course it was amazing. You know, all the technologies and all the, the way that agriculture is done up here. 
I, that's when I made, I made a decision. I, I want to come back here and I want to pursue uh, a graduate degree in the United States, but I want to do it with cattle because looking at the way that things are done with just onions and just with crops, I can only imagine the, like the level at which things are being done with livestock. So I did know at that moment in time, I, I do want to come back here. And so I went back to Costa Rica for, you know, for a year again to finish uh, my, my, my undergrad for my senior year. And I, by the middle of 2015, that was my senior year, I started applying uh, to like reaching out to professors and uh, looking for opportunities. And I couldn't get into grad school right away, but I did land an internship with uh, the Ohio State University. They have an exchange program to bring uh, exchange students to the U.S. and put them in the agriculture industry in different sectors and for them to not just learn the language, English, but also to be exposed to agriculture in the U.S. So they brought me and they sent me to Wisconsin, uh, to a dairy farm, uh, small, da- uh, small family, uh, it's family small, like a very small dairy farm, uh, about a hundred cows uh, uh, in milk. And I went there and I lived there for a bit over a year. And <laughs> it's, uh, it's funny because I went to Wisconsin in the middle. I moved to Wisconsin in the middle of January and oh, I had never seen this snow in my life. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> so looking back, I'm like, what the heck? What the heck was I thinking? <laughs> so um yeah, so it was pretty shocking, uh, not only because because of the weather, but also, you know, the culture is completely different um uh to what I was expecting. And but you know, I I wanted to try it. So I, I lived in Wisconsin for a bit over a year, like I said, working, just doing like regular chores, just learning how to work and how to manage a dairy farm and that's when I realized well I don't think dairy is for me (laughs) you know I just I just didn't like the monotony the monotony of it like um like I didn't like the just the the things that you have to do so repeatedly all like every day you have to like do the same thing the same thing the same thing and to be honest with you it just it was very far from home so when I when I looked at beef cattle and I finally got to experience the, the beef community, that was what was closest to home. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. was like, it's just, it was, it clicked in me. Okay. This, this looks, this is more familiar to me. Like I, when I see like when I, the cow calf and sector and having cattle on pasture and those things. Okay. This is what clicks with me. And, and when I finished uh, my internship in Wisconsin, um, I, I knew that I, okay, now I know what I want to do in the U.S. is beef cattle. So I landed a, a, an internship at the University of Florida, and that's when I got exposed more to the beef industry and to what I'm doing now for my career, the, the whole like sustainability and methane and all this, the, the, this, this uh, field of, of uh, ruminant nutrition that now I'm, I'm focusing my work on. And when I did that, I realized, okay, this is, this is it. This is what I want to do. And so that's how I got into the whole, you know, ruminant nutrition and methane and sustainability. That's what took me to Texas Tech to do my master's. And that, that's what has brought me to UC Davis where I'm doing my PhD now. I know that's a lot. <laughs> and if it was too much, you just let me know. <laughs> 
No, I'm, I think that I do need to make it clear to the listeners after listening to your story. Sebastian is not 60 years old either. I'm listening to this going, you have lived just the most interesting, fascinating, like I didn't know that you had been in Florida or Wisconsin. I mean, I knew I think that you went to tech and then on um, to UC Davis, but I'm like, wait, he did what? He was where? I think that this is amazing. And I think you have such a cool story. And Sebastian, one of the things about you, and we actually met um, in Reno at the California um, Cattlemen's thing. And mm-hmm. one of the things that is so apparent about you is you have such a true passion for cattle and beef cattle. And I think that there are so many people in the world who spend their whole lives trying to find something that they are as passionate about as, as you have, you know, with, with cattle. And I think that's one of the things that really stood out. You can just tell that you just love it and you appreciate it so much. And that's what I love. I want to talk a little bit about the work that you're doing at UC Davis, obviously home to the famed, you know, Dr. Frank mm-hmm. Mitloner, who we all um, sort of go to uh, in the beef industry as the expert on, you know, methane and all of those things. You talk about debunking myths about beef and you do a great job on your social media. This is like 30 questions at once. So let me back up. Let's talk about the work that you're doing at UC Davis and what is the most fascinating thing about what you're doing right now as you pursue your PhD? Oh, that's, that's, that's a great question. And, you know, when, when I, this goes back to my master's, uh, when I was doing my master's, I did some methane work. And a lot of the work that I did was more uh, focused towards uh, feedlot nutrition because it's so big and, you know, the, the uh, panel of Texas and all that, that, that region there. But uh, at that point in time, I wasn't so sure like how this whole methane, uh, the topic of methane and cattle was so, so relevant. And that, the reason why is because I hadn't been exposed to it that much at that point. And, but then by the end of my master's, I started like hearing more and more, especially those like misleading headlines in the media attacking uh, mm-hmm. agriculture. And just everything just sounded weird to me. I'm, I'm like, I, I, I couldn't really... I, I didn't believe it, of course, because um, my, my brain you know, is telling me, okay, just don't believe this stuff because you have the tools to really go uh, and, uh, and figure this out and see if, if what they're saying is, is, is true. But it's just like it, it kept increasing and it kept getting bigger and hotter. And, and it's just, okay, this is important. I need to keep doing this. I need to keep pursuing this, this line of work in, uh, in, in, the, in the room and nutrition field. So... That's how I started uh, reaching out to professors, and that's how I got in touch with uh, Dr. Miloner. And of course, you know, I re- we all know him. We all know the work that he does. And I knew that if that if I wanted to go somewhere to work in this in this uh, in this area, I in or in this uh, top with this topic in this field, I knew that I had to come to UC Davis to work with him. And so I was lucky that. You know, everything aligned and all the things, you know, that had needed to happen, happened. And uh, I ended up uh, coming here and working with them. And just by just solely focusing on this and just spending more and more time in this, um, in this area of, uh, of methane and sustainability has opened my eyes even more 
to how important it is and how relevant it is in the conversations that we're having in the industry. Um, just going back to NCBA, uh, 20, um, happened 2020, 2021, yes, uh, in Nashville, just seeing more and more conversations about sustainability and how, you know, the, the, the industry is committing to, to, to these goals and sustainability is, it's, it's just, it's exciting for me. And so that's why, that's why I'm very passionate about this stuff. Mm, Very good. I think another thing that is so admirable about you, not only do you seek out, you know, okay, this is what I want to learn about, but I'm not going to just learn about it from anybody. I'm going to go and I'm going to learn about it from the master. And I think that that's (laughs) what is so neat about you. Let's talk about some of the myths in the beef Mm -hmm. industry. Sebastian, in your opinion, what is, what is right now relevant, you know, today, what is, what is one of the biggest misconceptions that you see about the beef industry and how do you personally work to debunk it? Yeah. Yeah. There, there, well, there are so many, but, uh, in, in, in the work that I do, a lot of the misconceptions are about the, the, the environmental impact of, of livestock production. Um, you know, how the, how the numbers are presented to the, to the public, how, how the, the data and how the, the, the work that has been published sometimes is, is twisted and, you know, and rewarded and just put out there in a, in a way that is, is completely misleading. That is, that is one of the biggest problems. So when we, when we talk about methane, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the, the media report that, uh, cows are the the responsible for climate change. They're the ones that are um, killing the planet and all, like killing the climate and things like that. And that is that is simply not true, you know. And so that is one of the biggest problem problems that there are. So that is that would be the biggest myth for me uh, from the perspective of what I do as you know my my my, mm-hmm. my focus. Uh, that is that is the biggest myth for me, and that, that's what I try to, to target with with my social media, um, you know, advocacy that I do. I I talk about methane, I talk about sustainability, I talk about how the the the, the beef industry has become so much so much better over the years. You know how the how the beef industry is producing more beef with uh, far less cattle than they used to back in the seventies. You know all those things uh, that people just don't know about it because these these media outlets are so so big and so powerful they put out their information that is not that is not true and that of course of course gets a lot of traction but the actual truth is is a different one and so i'm trying to i'm trying to do my best to put that information the right information out there i'm trying to do it uh i'm trying to be as unbiased as possible because of course i love cattle and i love what i do but I'm trying to get that information from the right source. I'm trying to get that information from scientific papers. I'm trying to get information from the, the USDA sources that are trustworthy and try to, um, you know, like curate that information and put it out there for, for people to, to learn, to read, to, to be able to share and be like, okay, this is coming from a good source. So, so put it out there and see, you know, and, and see if I can, you know, you've done something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, right. And, you know, I think one of the things um, that I really appreciate about you and people like you, you know, and and this isn't, I don't want to say this in a way to knock people who are sort of 
saying cows aren't killing the, you know, the climate, the mm. agriculture is not the enemy. Those sort of sayings are great, mm -hmm. but sometimes I have to put myself in the perspective of the general public. And I look at these types of messages and I think, well, of course that person's going to say that. Mm -hmm. That's how they make their living. What you are doing is a little different because you have the research, you have the background, you are highly educated in the topic. And I think that's why someone like you, along with, you know, the farmers and the ranchers who are doing their best to say, hey, this, we're not the issue. I think that we really need people like you and, and Dr. Mitloner who can be the, the bigger voice. I mm -hmm. guess maybe is what I'm trying to say um, for the industry. Sebastian, just in case we have someone listening, I don't know if you know the numbers off the top of your head, you probably do. But in a comparison, you know, I always like to sort of try to explain it to my, my friends that maybe ask. I'm not like super huge on numbers right from the get-go. But once I know I have someone interested, I'm like, okay, look, cattle, you know, a little over 3% transportation is this huge number. You know, the, 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 the science and the actual numbers, when you really look at it, are staggering when it comes to methane and how much, you know, of a culprit cattle is compared to the transportation sector or something like mm -hmm. that. Is that accurate? Am I accurate in saying that? So, so there, there's a lot of ways that we can look at, at, at the data. So when we look, when we talk about greenhouse gases, that, that involves uh, carbon dioxide, methane, nitrous oxide, and just like a, a whole like spectrum of, of gases. So when, when we talk about that, we're talking about many gases. So, Based on the data from the Environmental, Environmental Protection Agency, mm -hmm. um, that, that data says that the, the, uh, the greenhouse gases coming from agriculture are 10% of the total amount of greenhouse gases being produced in the U.S. That's 10%. The rest is transportation, electricity, and residential uh, sources of greenhouse gases. So, but that 10% is agriculture. That includes livestock. That includes yeah. uh, crops in everything related to agriculture from that from that 10% of from that 10% of agriculture um, a, a, a great portion is coming from livestock yes but of the whole like of the all the emissions all the 100% including all the sectors uh, that is transportation uh, electricity generation all the ones that i mentioned before cattle are only 4% of all of that mm -hmm. you know so when we put things in perspective, uh, in that on on that level, livestock is is only four percent of all of the greenhouse gas emissions being being emitted or being produced in the U.S. Now, when we go to specific gases, when we talk about methane, yes, livestock is an important source of methane. Yes, and and up to forty percent of the methane being produced in the U.S. is coming from from uh, ruminants. And that is because, yeah, the, the ruminants, they, they, they'll belch, they belch out a lot of methane. But methane has been um, treated uh, unfairly for many years because it's a short-lived pollutant, it's a short-lived gas. So it stays in the atmosphere for about 10 to 12 years. So then after that, by chemical processes in, in, the, in, the, in the atmosphere, it is turned back to CO2. And if we, if we think about, well, what do cows eat? They eat plant material, right? And if we go back to to high school and elementary school, we, we talk about photos, photosynthesis. 
where is where is that carbon going? It's going back to the plants. So it's a it's a cycle, right? So it's being cycled. So after ten years, that methane that was uh, emitted by this cow, it is turned back to CO two, and then it goes back to the plant, and then it goes back into the cow. So you know, you know what I mean? Like it's it's mm-hmm. a cycle. Yeah. So a lot a lot of a lot of the work a lot of the 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 work that has done in the past about methane and methane, especially from from uh, living things like cattle, living organisms, that methane is being it's being cycled. So they a lot of work didn't take that into account. So a lot of numbers that are out there have been inflated, mm-hmm. and you know, I, when, especially when it comes uh, to ruminants. So you know, it's it's a lot of stuff going on, and 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 a lot of uh, a lot of uh, narratives that need to be corrected in that in that aspect. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. So I'm going to ask you this next question. Let's talk about the narrative. In your personal opinion, why is this narrative so focused on the beef industry, maybe the livestock industry is general, in, in general? I don't know that I've ever heard anyone talk about this, I guess. Why? Why cattle, I guess is my question. This narrative, you know, we've we've seen this narrative around climate change for several years now, and it's just continuing, like you said, uh, to be more and more and more prominent when it comes to the media and the narrative surrounding the agriculture industry. Why did cattle become the culprit? That is a, that is a great question, and there's there's a lot of personal opinion here that mm-hmm. uh, you know that comes uh, when 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 it comes to re- asking, answering that question, and. Uh, I think uh, a lot of the, the the pressure or the scrutiny put on uh, the livestock industry, especially with cattle, is because of methane. So once we once we know that cows belch methane, once we know that they they are an important source of methane, then that's that's when everything starts because methane is 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 very important in terms of climate change. You know, it's a it has a lot of, it's, it's 25 times more powerful than CO2 when it comes to radiation of heat in the atmosphere. So, of course, in the, in, in, in the conversations about climate change, in the conversations about uh, pollution and, and global warming, methane is, you know, such a big word. It is very important. So, once we, we learn that cattle, they are an important source of methane uh, within the livestock industry, that's it. You know they are. You know they are. Uh, they are the ones. You know, <laughs> and so and, and a lot of a lot of that stuff comes from you know these big oil companies. Of, of course, they they have they have a lot of money to to try to quiet down the narrative about CO two and they're the, like the, the main pollutants uh, in 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 the in the world. You know, of course, CO two or carbon dioxide is is uh, it's 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 a, the biggest uh, air pollutant out there. And so a lot of that stuff comes from, you know, like, well, let's, let's not talk about that. Let's focus on methane because it's 25 times more powerful than CO2. And the, that's when the, the cattle industry gets attacked for that. You know, so I, I think methane is the main reason why uh, the, the livestock industry, the cattle industry is being targeted uh, for because of methane. And uh, the, the the unfortunate thing is that, well, who's going to defend cattle? You know, mm-hmm. like who's who's going to you know? Would 
ranchers, farmers, they don't have the time and or you know the the money to be telling people, oh no, we we're no, that's not true. They have better things to do, you know, like they have more important things to do. And so, not seeing big entities in our industry now taking taking charge and leading these conversations is is very exciting and very important for the industry because we have experts. You know, let's talk about Dr. Franklin Loner. You know, he he he's been doing a lot of uh, outreach with social media, and that's one of what that was one of my motivations. You know, not seeing how he does his work with Twitter and just reaching people out there and like putting the, the the, the right information out there that that is great so but going back methane is the main the main thing that is it's like they it's like they put a stamp on cattle they stamped it methane that's it mm-hmm. that's that's why cattle are the responsible ones for climate change so yeah that's the main thing for me mm, that was a great answer great answer Sebastian I let's talk a little bit about you're pursuing you know your PhD obviously what is the end goal here for you like what you know let's fast forward you graduate you're officially doctor that's officially in front of your name uh, what what's next for you what is the sort of end goal here Ooh, that's a big question <laughs> i think about i think about that all the time what do i really want to do with all this because you know it's a lot of school it's a lot i you know i never thought i'd be doing this much school in my life if 20 year old me would have thought that I'd be 28 years old and still in school, I would have laughed so hard. But, you know, what do I really want to do with this? It's a great question. And I, I, I've thought about academia and I've asked myself, do I really want to be a professor? Do I really want to be in a classroom um, teaching students? And yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's good. It's great teaching the next generation of scientists, I, I, I really value that, but it's not, it's not my type of environment. You know, I, mm-hmm. I come from a very rural background and I enjoy connecting with people out there, you know, just connecting with producers, connecting with, with, um, with just people in the industry. So when I go to meetings like NCBA uh, to California Cattlemen's, uh, I really enjoy those meetings because I get to talk to producers. I get to talk to, to people uh, in the industry. You know, uh, just those connections are very reward- rewarding for me. And so when I see myself, um, what I see myself doing after I graduate is working in the industry. You know, and of course, is sustainability. Um, this topic is um, be becoming more and more important. So I see myself in the industry, uh, just working alongside uh, producers, you know, and just just, just the industry. I, lo- I love uh, this industry very much. Mm, that's apparent. It is definitely apparent that you have a deep love for this industry. Okay, we've talked a lot about the agriculture industry, but I know that is not all you do and that is not solely who you are. I don't know how you have time for anything else, quite frankly, but <laughs> I um, was sort of looking at your Instagram and I understand that you love photography as well. Tell me a little bit about that. Photography, oh man, this goes back to when I was a, a, a little kid. Uh, my dad, he had a, he had a Canon. Uh, a camera and uh, I just remember him taking pictures of us and there are, there are a ton of pictures around uh, the house back in Honduras 
of just me and my uh, me and my brothers as little kids, and just my memories of my memories of my dad just playing with the camera. They they're in like they're in me. I still I still remember that. And so since cell phones came out, just you know, being able to take a take a picture with my phone has always been like something that I really enjoy. And when you know the, the Apple and iPhone started to step up their game with cameras, I've always enjoyed taking pictures with my phone. And a lot of the times, people ask me, "What camera did you use?" I'm like, "Just like just my just my phone." <laughs> and so I I've always enjoyed taking pictures. Um, and uh, but uh, now that I'm doing this social social media stuff, I see more people like just really putting out their 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 photos and. And I just, I decided to open up a, 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 an Instagram account for my pictures as well. And, you know, I just enjoy taking pictures of, of cattle, you know, cows. Cows are my favorite subject. <laughs> <laughs> no surprise there. Uh, social media, you do, you do a good job um, on social media. Social media is tough, but yeah, it's such a great platform that everyone has access to, to sort of share our side of the story. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about your social media journey. Um, how, you know, you're sort of really tackling a pretty, people get really fired up about climate change and methane mm-hmm. and GHG and cattle and livestock. I mean, it is a, it's always a sort of a charged topic. How do you, you know, how do you handle, I guess, the, the negativity that can sometimes come with social media does the the value outweigh the you know the negative um, when it comes to social media talk to me a little bit about just sort of putting yourself out there what gave you the yeah. courage to put yourself out there in the first place yeah yeah that that's a great question because um, for the longest time I was like oh no it's just uh, just a waste of my time you know and I you know, I, I I'm doing this. I'm taking my classes. I got a lot on my plate, but like I said, working with Dr. Mitloner, uh, just seeing, uh, being able to witness what he what he does and how how many people he reaches with uh, with his Twitter, um, uh, was very eye opening for me. And then uh, I've I've never been a fan of Twitter. I don't know. I just, <laughs> it's it's not my thing. I'm a very mm-hmm. visual person. I, I I like I said, you know, I, you know, enjoy photography. So. Instagram has always been my platform, uh, so I've had it for a while. But I never, I never used it for anything than just personal, just like sharing some pictures that I took. And so, in the past couple of years, I've been seeing producers really like engage with people, like just engage with the huge community out there on social media, and just sharing their stories, sharing what they do on their farm and sharing, you know, what they, how they feel about what, you know, what they do. And, and some of them are very, very good at advocacy, you know, um, talk about uh, Natalie Kovrig and, 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 and Tara, the New Mexico milkmaid, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and just seeing them, I, it, it was mind blowing to me. It was like, Oh my, Oh my God, these people are really, are making waves out there, you know, when it comes to advocacy and they talk about the environment, they talk about the stuff that I do for, you know, for my degree in research and, and things like that. Uh, what I study. And so I was like, why? Hmm, maybe I can do the same, you know, maybe I can try to, 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 to um, gather some of this stuff that I read and I have to you know, learn and, 
for classes and uh, for studies, maybe why don't I try to share this stuff with people, you know, see if, 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 it, if it's interesting, you know? So that's what gave me the motivation to do it. That's what, that's why I realized, you know, I think I have some of the tools for this uh, to, to make it work, to share useful, I hope so, you know, uh, you know, interesting, maybe, uh, information for, uh, for those who, who are looking for this kind of stuff and for producers as well. A lot of younger uh, cattlemen, cattlewomen are, you know, are thirsty for this kind of information. They want it. They, they are trying to, to learn. And, you know, so I'm, I was like, well, maybe this is going to be valuable for some of those people. So that's what gave me the motivation to do it. Now, with that being said, <laughs> when you talk about the exposure, when you talk about the, the negativity that comes, you know, some of those comments of people who I don't even know, like, it's oh, like yeah. who are you? <laughs> you know, they, they come in like random posts uh, uh, or they just, they, they call you names and they, they tell you everything that they think you're doing wrong and that you're, you know, murderer and things like that. And you're doing this for profit. And, and I'm like, do you really know what the cattle industry is doing right now? You think I'm doing this for profits, <laughs> right? <laughs> you're, you're not a grad student. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that is, uh, that's been, you know, it's kind of a challenge, but some of the things that I've learned from, from my advisor, Dr. Miller is try not to engage with those people because they're not here to, ca- to have a, a, a proper conversation. They're not here to try to, you know, to learn your perspective. They just want to attack you. They just want to create conflict. So I try, I do my best to ignore those comments. Of course, some of them, when they, when they, some of them, when they try to, you know, get a reaction from you, they start calling you names. Of course, that gets to you a little bit. But I try to do my best not to not to engage with that. I I had a I had a feeling that this was going to happen because I've seen it. You know, I've, uh, Dr. Mitloner he 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 just he doesn't just get comments on his Twitter. He gets full like articles <laughs> published about him, and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> how did like how does he do this? You know, like uh, and um, it's it's tough. It can be tough. And I, I saw it coming, but I, I see a lot of value in this. I see a purpose. And, I, and when you get comments, when you get messages from people telling you, hey, I really appreciate what you're doing. Keep putting in the work. I, I mean, I've been in the industry for, for my entire life and I'm learning stuff from you. So I really, I really appreciate what you're doing. That is, that's what gives me the motivation. That's what tells me, okay, this is what I'm doing right now even though I don't know what I'm doing because this social media thing is a whole mystery to me. But, <laughs> Same. Yeah. <laughs> so this is what I'm doing is, is, is creating, it's creating an impact on some people, you know, and that's what the people that matter to me. So, you know, if, if somebody who has been in the industry for their entire life is telling me I learned something from you, that is, that is what matters to me. So that, that gives me the enough motivation to keep doing it. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's so good. You know, this is something I have to remind myself, um, whether I'm delivering a keynote or whether I'm posting, you know, something on social media, um, I have Mm -hmm. to constantly remind myself, I'm like, okay, if I affect one person, if one person 
gets something out of what I'm delivering or offering, then that's all that matters, right? If one person in the room is touched by my keynote, then it was a successful keynote. If one person is touched by my social media post or feels seen because of my social media post, then that's all that matters. You know, it is, it's so hard to get wrapped up into the, oh, I don't have as a big of a following. So my voice isn't as big. I I struggle with that all the time. Or, oh gosh, like that, you know, silly reel didn't really teach anybody anything. So maybe Mm -hmm. I shouldn't do those anymore. You know, I think that um, social media is a journey. I think we're all learning as we go. If you figure it out, be sure and call me and let me know because like, I don't really know (laughs) what I'm doing either. Um, Learning to do reels Uh, was like a three week process for me. Uh, But I think that if enough of us share, whether it's on social media or whether it's in person or whether it's at events like in CPA or whether it's just on your own, you know, farm or ranch or at the grocery store, I always tell people, I'm like, we have to tell the story at all costs, right? People are going to write articles, you know, like you said, Dr. Mitloner, man, they come for him. He is the king Mm -hmm. of Twitter, by the way. I'm I'm like you, I'm not like very good at Twitter, um, but he's one of the few people that I still have a Twitter account for. So I can be like, what did he say about this, you know? Um, but I think that telling the story is so crucial. And I think that telling the story is what is going to shift the needle when it comes to the narrative surrounding agriculture. And I think, Absolutely. Sebastian, that you feel the same way. I do, I do. And, you know, it's, it's particularly it, – one of the things I used to stop me from doing this is because I was not born or raised in the U.S. So my, my, my experience or um, my um, – yeah, my experience with the with the beef cattle industry has not been the U.S. beef cattle industry. I should say has not been my entire life, like a lot of people, you know. Uh, uh, so it's been uh, very, it's been significantly, significantly shorter. So that you know, it's imposter syndrome, of course. Yep. You know, like oh, you don't have the credentials to do this. You you have you were not raised here. You don't have the knowledge. You you should not speak up because somebody's going to come for you and is going to tell you, you don't know anything. <laughs> and, or, you know, and even though sometimes I do feel like I don't know anything because who knows at all. Um, I try to quiet those voices. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. don't, don't listen to that. Just try to do your best. Cause that's all we can do in life. Just to do our best, you know? And if you don't know how social media works, believe you me, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. I'm just trying to put in the information that I think is valuable, kind of compile it and make it more digestible and just put it out there, see whoever finds it interesting. And just like, I hope it's uh, valuable for you. <laughs> no, you're, you're doing, you're doing great work. And, you know, I sort of kind of wrap up on this, you know, you mentioned that you feel like you don't measure up because you were not born into agriculture, you know, in this country. And it's funny because I was born into agriculture in this country and I mm-hmm. don't feel like I measure up uh, a yeah. lot of the time. And, you know, from an outside perspective, I sort of listened to your journey, you know, you starting mm-hmm. in Honduras, going to Costa Rica, eventually coming to the U S. And one of the things that I was thinking to myself, as you were sharing the story, I was, I was thinking, man, we take this for granted in this country. The, how technologically advanced we are in agriculture. You know, I was sort of listening to you share this story and how 
inspiring it was and cool it was to finally get to experience agriculture in the United States. And I thought, dang, it's so easy for us that were born in it, that have lived it our whole lives in this country to just totally take it for granted. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why someone like you, a perspective like yours is so needed in mm -hmm. this country, right? And like you said, we're not all going to know everything. Um, I'm sorry, I'm looking at your list of degrees in front of me and I'm like, well, he knows a thing or two, you know, but we all experience that um, imposter syndrome and, and I think you nailed it. You just have to have to push that voice down and say, no, I have a place here. I have a role here. Um, and I think, you know, I think you play such an important role. And, um, you know, I remember meeting you in Reno and I was just like, whoa, like you just, I could tell you were brilliant. First of all, you, you, you started talking and I was like, holy cow. Um, and you could just tell you were so passionate about it. And I think that that's something that is just so needed in this industry. And I just wanted to tell you that I just wanted to get that off my chest. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. And you know, like people like yourself gave me the inspiration to do this because seeing like, I remember when I, I met you, Reno, but I wanted to talk to you at NCBA in Nashville because I saw you and I, you know, I have been following you on social media, following you on I had been following you on social media, forgive me. <laughs> I've been following you on social media for a while already. So I've seen like how you share stories and that is like, that's very important. You know, that's, uh, that seemed to be so, so valuable, you know, like just how you guys share stories on social media. So I wanted to talk to you in Nashville, but I, of course, everybody wanted to talk to you. <laughs> and so I, I, I didn't find the time. So when I saw you in Reno, I was like, I got to talk to Courtney. I got it. You know, I got to introduce myself. And, you know, just, you know, just introduce myself and just tell you, hey, hi, you know, nice mm -hmm. to meet you. I appreciate what you do. And um, I remember telling you I wanted and I met you and Kaya at, at CCA in Reno. Uh, and I told you both, you know, I, I really admire what you do, guys. And I want to do something similar with my social media, with my social media but coming from, you know, like my my research background and what I, you know, how I, the things that I do. So you guys like have been uh, my inspiration you know, to do, to do all this stuff. So I really, I really appreciate, you know, you telling me all this. Oh, well, thank you. I, it's mutual. We have a mutual appreciation for one another. Sebastian, I just want to let you also know that you absolutely killed your very first podcast. And I am certain this will not, uh, this is the first of many. So thank you for joining the Calgary Public Podcast and just so eloquently sharing your story. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate this opportunity.